This is the Reading Instruction Show. I'm your host, as always, the genial one, Dr. Andy Johnson. Topic of today's podcast is emotions, logic, intuition, knowledge, and the science of reading. Now, it's an emotional response. Make no doubt about this. The decision to abandon good reading instruction and move to what the science of reading zealots called call structured literacy instruction, that's an emotional response. The decision to use hyperbole and pejorative statements to dismiss that with which you are unfamiliar is an emotional response. The decision to take the argument out of an academic realm to a political realm and to threaten and bully those who disagree is an emotional response. And the decision to give credence to a radio journalist and ignore real literacy experts is an emotional response, an emotional decision. Now, there's nothing wrong with an emotional response. Emotions are wonderful things. They're part of what makes us wonderfully and uniquely human. And I wish more decisions were more emotional. However, good decisions, just like good literacy instruction, are balanced. Balanced decision-making, balanced literacy instruction. Now let me do some splaining. We come to know reality in four ways. Through one, our senses, two, logic and reasoning, three, emotions or emotional intelligence, and four, intuition. But using only one or two of these areas extensively to the detriment of others creates imbalance and a false impression of reality. Traditionally, our public schools colleges and universities in Western society have done just that. They've declared that only the first two of these are legitimate ways of knowing, only knowledge and logic, and thus has created a false sense of reality, the grand facade that you see before you today. Now let's take a look at senses. The first way we come to know what we perceive to be reality is through our senses. Bits of sense data from our sense organs dance along our nervous system and up into our brain to create a picture of reality. But we never experience the world directly. We only experience the picture that is created in our brain. That is, our brain is locked away inside the casket of our head. It encounters only indirectly the bits of data upon which images are created. This is very much like the captain of a submarine who never experiences the ocean directly, but relies on the picture of the ocean created by sonar data. It's by understanding the limitations of our sense data that we're able to move beyond them to see the greater whole. The second, logical reasoning. The second way we come to know reality 
is through our own logical reasoning. The logical part of our brain operates in binary mode, very much like a computer, which sees the world in zero and one configurations. Everything is either this or that, it is or is not, if then, when then logic is used. If A, then B, when C, then D. Everything must fit into a category. This is the world of theories built upon sense data. This is a logical positivism which perceives the world and all beyond only in terms of cause and effect. For every cause there is an effect. For every action there is a reaction. And the whole of reality can be understood, quantified, and wrapped in a package by breaking it down into its component parts. Logic is the gift given to humanity, but like all gifts, must be seen in its proper perspective. Logic limits itself to that which can be seen, heard, weighed, and measured. Logic will suit one fine if one exists only in a finite world and acknowledges no other. To acknowledge another realm, another dimension, is to go beyond logic toward the intuitive and the window of the spiritual realm. If we pray to God, we are acknowledging this other realm. We're also recognizing the power of that realm to affect change, either physical or spiritual, in this one. The third is emotions. Our emotions can also be used to help us understand the world and to solve problems. They can be used to analyze or evaluate logic and sense data. We can use them as a barometer to test our logical reasoning and to evaluate the sense data before us. In this way, they can enhance our rational knowing. Here you ask questions like, how does this decision feel? How am I reacting emotionally to this data or situation? However, in our Western predominantly male-dominated culture, emotional decisions have come to be viewed as something to be avoided. The phrase, it's just an emotional decision, is often said derisively, as if this were a bad thing. However, as stated previously, any decision that relies overly much on one or two areas is out of balance. We cannot fully know unless we realize all four ways of knowing. And the fourth one is intuition. Like emotions, intuition also enhances rational knowing. Intuition is a sudden knowing apart from logic or knowledge. It's the ability to make the leap from the known or predictable to something completely different. It enables you to realign known information or sense data in new ways. And there are three levels of intuition. Level one is rational intuition. 
This is thinking that realigns known information. It's the aha experience that happens in the creative process or the type of thinking that occurs when you suddenly see the solution to the problem. And in our Western culture and our educational systems, we are fairly comfortable with this type of intuition. We're filling in the blanks here. The second is predictive intuition. This is thinking that utilizes known information to form new patterns, sequences, ideas, or plans. Information is used here to guess, a hunch, a guess, or a hypothesis. You perceive the whole based only on the part. Predictive intuition enables us to connect sense data with other types of data stored in long-term memory in order to create the unfinished picture of reality. Gestalt is a German word that refers to completing a pattern or configuration based on partial data. Gestalt can be thought of as a perceptual dot-to-dot -dot picture, meaning that you perceive incomplete data but your brain automatically organizes it into meaningful patterns. We do this, by the way, when we read. We use little bits of data and fill in the blanks using the knowledge in our head, which includes background knowledge and phonological knowledge and syntactical knowledge. In our Western culture and educational systems, we're also comfortable with this type of intuition. It's the next type of intuition that causes some professors and rational people to begin to, to move toward the door when it's brought up in conversation. The third level is called transformational intuition. And this is the type of thinking that uses a different kind of sensing to pick up information. It defies scientific explanation and the laws of repeatability as information seems to come from some outside source. And another name for transformational intuition is spiritual intelligence. Sisk and Torrance in 2001 described spiritual intelligence as the ability to use a multi-sensory approach to problem solving and the ability to listen to your inner voice. Vaughn in 2003 portrays sport, uh, spiritual intelligence uh, uh, spiritual intelligence to be a different way of knowing, a part of self that is concerned with the life of the mind and spirit and its relationship to being in the world. Spiritual intelligence, as I will define it here, involves access to multiple dimensions of the self that puts one in touch with experiences that transcend the self. It is access to the most complete range of or states of consciousness. It includes altered states that transcend the usual senses, senses and most importantly includes the capacity to see the seamless connection between self, others, and the universe. So, Never thought you'd get to that place with reading instruction, did you?
let me show you how it applies to reading and the science of reading. We're going to look at well-balanced decision-making. Developing the capacity to know in all four of these areas enables one to know more and to know more widely and completely. Using all four of these types of knowing, senses, logic, intuition, and emotion, you sense the world in greater depth and dimension. And it's only by using all four ways of knowing that you ultimately know reality and fully perceive the world around you. And using all four ways of knowing will enhance your ability to solve problems and make better decisions. Again, we're out of balance if any one area predominates in our decision-making. This is well-balanced decision-making. Here you use emotions and intuition to evaluate the appropriateness of logic and knowledge-based decisions. Logic and background knowledge are used to evaluate emotional and intuitive decisions. Knowledge can be used to put our strong emotional reactions in context. And intuition and logic are both used to generate ideas and to evaluate knowledge-based and logic-based decisions. And knowledge and emotion are both used to test ideas. Now, when we say emotion, we ask, what feeling does it generate? When we say knowledge, we say, what do we know about this decision? When we say logic, we say, what can you logically deduce or infer from the data? And when we say intuition, we say, what does your gut feeling tell you about this decision or situation? Now, there are many decisions that would be better decisions if more emotions were used. For example, decisions to employ military force or to cut important social spending programs are often made without a sense of empathy or without an emotional connection to the real people they will impact. But here's the problem with the science of reading zealots and how they come to know reading reality. They, per they relied overly much on emotion and intuition. They have ignored or discounted important knowledge related to how the brain creates meaning with print, knowledge related to research and the research process, knowledge related to reading research. They have discounted or they have ignored it. And the legislative toadies in state legislatures have been swayed by the emotional arguments of parents profiteers, and science of reading zealots. They've called in radio journalists and ignored literacy experts. They've used personal anecdotes in I-thinkisms instead of peer-reviewed research to come to conclusions about things. And they've been led to believe that there's a reading crisis when there isn't. And they've been led to believe that the cause of this reading crisis that isn't is a lack of phonics instruction, which it isn't. And they've been led to believe that the solution to the reading crisis that isn't 
is more phonics instruction for everybody, which is really silly. Their emotions have been manipulated. They've ignored knowledge and logic. So what is the answer? Well-balanced decision-making about reading instruction is needed, just like well-balanced literacy instruction. We need a body of knowledge about the true state of reading, reading instruction, and reading research, not emotion and not I-thinkisms. We need to use logic to analyze and evaluate research and other various sources. We have to employ our emotions to empathize, yes, with struggling readers, but also with teachers and with parents and professors and proficient readers. And we have to use intuition to fill in some of the blanks, to apply the results of basic and applied research, and to understand research-based theories and their implications. Well-balanced decisions are made when we come to conclusions, to the same conclusions that thousands within the International Literacy Associations have come to, that well-balanced literacy instruction consists of skills instruction along with opportunities to practice those skills in authentic reading and writing situations. That's balanced literacy instruction. Again, balanced literacy instruction consists of skills instruction along with opportunities to practice those skills in authentic reading and writing situations. This enables all students to achieve their full literacy potential. And that, after all, is the goal of good literacy instruction. This has been the Reading Instruction Show. I am your host, as always, Dr. Andy Johnson.